0: thousand apologies to everybody this episode is going to be super short um lots of life stuff got in the way also this episode's a little disjointed so i've done my best to try to put it together in some type of vaguely coherent matter uh i hope i succeeded anyway um so here's like a little mini episode and i hope you enjoy your friday bye As the myth turns, because mythology is the greatest soap opera of all time, with your cultural interns, Eris, and Z interns, because we're not professionals, (laughs) and we're not getting paid. Hey guys, it's Eris, and I am doing this all by my lonesome again. Um, anyway, so, yes, today we are going to be talking about werewolves. Eris, you say? Haven't you already done, like, two episodes on werewolves? Um yes yes i have we're doing another one uh this one's going to be about modern werewolves i think last time we did classic and then we had it as part of our reading list where we were reading like tropes and stuff um this one will probably hit a lot on the tropes of werewolves because obviously they're like the modern iteration but we started developing these ideas of course um you go back to our classic werewolves. That structure of a werewolf was uh, a little bit different from how we see in modern day, and it it definitely the this idea, this lycanthropy idea, evolved through history. So, what do we know about werewolves? Uh, they they transform on the full moon. They can only be affected by silver. Uh, you turn into like this wolf dog hybrid thing, and all of your like bloodlust and lust lust is like all super elevated and stuff. These are very pop culture-y terms uh, or pop culture-y tropes, but they they got their start. Honestly, a lot of it came from 18th century that then moved like a continual evolution onward until now. So the idea of the curse being the werewolf curse being actually a curse or affliction, as in like you get it from being bitten or scratched, started uh, really getting its foothold in Europe parallel to the belief of witches and the witch hunts uh, right around um, 17th and 18th century when those got like really big and I hesitate to use the term popular but mm, popular. This also coincided with the idea of uh, witch and wolf hunters where there are like these whether outward or secret kind of like cabal of people who hunt these supernatural creatures, both witches and wolves. That's also where this idea got started, was with the witch hunts. Along with witch hunts, there was lots of wolf hunts, both real and imagined, as in they would go out and they would purge the land of actual real life wolves. Like I said, this is mostly European, but they would also hunt like wolf men. So they would have like werewolf trials where they would put people on trial for, I, I think you turned into a dog and ate my sheep last night. uh. So so along with, I think you can levitate and you speak to Satan, they would try someone for supposedly turning into a werewolf. Being vulnerable to silver is also a modern day uh, idea. So this really got its start in German folklore in the 19th century. A lot of the previous stories, you had to cut off their head or lots of... um. Very similar remedies to werewolfism, <laughs> lycanthropy essentially, uh, for suspected targets were very much mixed up, There, they were the same as the you would hunt a vampire or which witch or a fairy. A lot of these had the same kind of remedies. Oftentimes before then, before, before this date, the idea that it was a disease or um, like something you were born with hadn't really been touched on. Uh, If you listen to our classics episode, we talk about how uh, before lycanthropy, actually there was barely even a word, but it was like a thing that it's like a magic spell. Like you would put on a wolf skin and then that would change you into a wolf or you'd have a belt. You would drink from a puddle of water that was like had the impression of a wolf footprint in it or something. They they were basically spells, uh, which actually coincides with the idea of why these wolf hunts frequently coincided with witch hunts. It's it was a magical thing until the 19th century. Like I said, it was German folklore. Strangely enough, it got its start from the, some of the French stories, like the, the Bête du Gavidon, uh, which was 18th century, where the wolf or wolf-like creature was finally subdued with a silver bullet. German folklore started to take that idea and meld and it with their own stories. They even have a story of um, the city of Greswald were, which was infested quote unquote by werewolves um, and the actual quote is uh, a clever lad suggested that they gather all their silver buttons, goblets belt buckles and so forth and melt them down into bullets for their muskets and pistols to, to get rid of the werewolves, uh, to turn them into bullets obviously. This really started to sweep all of Europe English folklore, started to add this in around 1865 that Actively showed that their shapeshifters were vulnerable to silver, to the point where they were exclusively vulnerable to silver. And this is where we get into the idea that uh, only silver can kill a werewolf. We start to see as we reach the twentieth and the twenty-first century that uh, wolves are like fast healing. As as people started developing, or as people as as like culture. Uh, started developing science and trying to understand how the human body works. Um, They also tried to start ascribing science to our supernatural creatures. How do vampires work, zombies work, werewolves, etc. And once they had, once like the general populace had decided that werewolves were only immune to silver, they started to describe it as, well, as. Because they're fast healing and etc. So that starts adding in the idea that werewolves are invulnerable to conventional injury due to like, you know, some type of super fast healing factor or superhuman speed even or strength. They can survive, you know, falling Uh, from high falls um this also starts to loop in to werewolves being seen as super aggressive uh, with animalistic urges before when it was just a um you know centuries ago when it was just like here's this magic spell werewolves are definitely very looped up into they are creatures of satan but they for the most part they seem to uh only prey on sheep or small children now obviously the small children is an issue and the sheep could really affect someone's uh livelihood however there wasn't this uh great fear of bloodlust uh on the moon up until this point when they basically decided ah it's a man who turns into a beast like wolf who can't control themselves it, it becomes at this point a synonymous with a um lack of control and it wasn't really until the 20th and then 21st centuries that we start to move away from the gothic horror werewolf and this happens really with the onset of cinema we still see werewolves in like novels and its subsequent film out adaptations and and then other cinema like like for example the howling where they're these like willful and malevolent creatures But it was 1941 with Lon Chaney Jr.'s The Wolfman, where not only did... They get a chance to do some incredibly elaborate makeup at the time to make that transformation happen on screen. Um, but it was also, uh, they cast the werewolf as a sympathetic creature, like like someone who has been afflicted with a curse through no fault of their own kind of thing. Um, we see this again in American Werewolf in London. Um, we even see a slightly less anguished, but like more charismatic kind of wolf in um, 1994's film, the actually just called The Wolf. So they go from, like, these malevolent creatures to even heroic. Um, definitely twenty or early 21st century. gets Getting the good and, uh, 2010s there with, like, Underworld and, like, Twilight. And we have, like, tons of sci-fi series now, like Teen Wolf or Sarian Vampire. Um, yeah, (laughs) so, um, what started as, like, this, started as a something a sorcerer can do, um, in their quest to be in league with Satan, to this tortured, you know, creature afflicted, uh, who is now malevolent and practically superhuman, to this kind of, like, again, this anguished, or, uh, even heroic in some cases. Fun fact, Dracula It's not just a vampire, but also a werewolf, (laughs) which I thought was neat. They allude to it in the actual novel, but I guess the short story Dracula's Guest, also written by Bram Stoker, which I actually haven't read. I, like, need to? Um, Anyway, I see lots of quotes here from Dracula's Guest that he can turn into a werewolf in that one. For reasons he can shape into shapeshift into a wolf at will during night but is able to uh, but he isn't able to do so during the day except at noon. He can turn into a wolf at noon. <laughs> so anyway, so a few other first and fun fact kind of things. Um the first movie to feature the full transformative effect of the full moon was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman um which was from 1943. The actual first just flat out first movie to use an anthropomorphic werewolf of this kind of like half man half beast was werewolf of london 1935 partially this was because the uh, lead actor henry hull was unwilling to spend the like the long hours uh being put into the makeup (laughs) (laughs) so he convinced Universal Studios that since there was no like real literary work to draw upon for this movie, unlike say if you were making a Dracula movie, you would pull off the book Dracula, that uh, they could just kind of do what they want and make their own canon, which I support that. As far as bibliography goes, Douglas Adams, of the Douglas Adams fame, uh, wrote a book, The Beast Within, uh, The History of the Werewolf, in 1992, or rather published 1992, along with actually a pretty interesting book, The Origin of Werewolf Superstition, by Caroline Taylor Stewart, uh, which was published in 1909. And I am very sorry, but that is all that I have for you guys for this episode, no doubt knowing myself. I will probably have another werewolf episode in the hopefully not too near future. So anyway, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to like, 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 (sighs) like, And subscribe to As The Myth Turns on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And email us at asthemithturns at gmail.com. Transcripts for this episode can be found at our WordPress site as the myth turns. Our theme song is called Fretless by Kevin MacLeod. You can find this song and all his others at incompetech.